I've worked alongside journalists my entire career, and I've worked with so many publications on the PR side of things. So I've really gotten to know their work and how they operate. So I think that has just made it kind of a natural thing for me. I don't think if I had a background in PR, especially, I would be able to do this. And then I'm very type A and organized. And I think this requires a ton of organization. Welcome to Better Together with Costi Epifonsive, a podcast on parenting, business, and living life intentionally. We're here every week to bring you thoughtful conversation on making your own path to success, challenging the status quo, and finding all the ways we're better together. Here's your host, Costi Epifonsive. Hey, y'all, this is Costa, and today I'm here with my guest, Chelsea Dartes, co-owner and founder of C2 Entertainment and creator editor, and publisher of Cookville Lifestyles magazine. Over the past decade, Chelsea has represented a wide range of artists from Rascal Flatts, Easton Corbin, Lone Star, and our very own Jake Hoot. Her newest venture, Cookville Lifestyles magazine, will launch this fall and is a quarterly publication featuring local businesses, charities, and lifestyles. Chelsea, give us some background on your work as a publicist and what's it like starting your own PR agency? Yeah. Well, thank you for having me, first of all. I moved to Nashville uh, to go to college at Belmont and I graduated from Belmont. And while I was there, I worked a thousand internships in every part of the music industry. And I kind of found PR to be my passion. So I started working full-time in PR and it was a pretty toxic environment as a lot of music industry jobs can be. You get paid barely anything and they expect you to work day and night. So I decided, you know what, I could do this on my own. I have the contacts. I have the clients. Let me just go out on my own. So I did. And luckily, it worked out. I started right off the bat working with Justin Moore. And then we just had a bunch of up and coming artists. And, you know, I've had the company for 10 years now. And a few years ago, I had been approached so many times by artists wanting me to manage them. Because basically, I was managing the younger artists, doing everything for them besides just PR. It was out of my comfort zone. I was having small children at the time. And I was like, oh, I don't know if I can. And then finally, I was like, why am I not doing this? So yeah, I started managing artists a few years ago. Very nice. So what makes your agency different than other agencies around Nashville? A lot of the times, if you hire a publicist in Nashville, you're not going to get to work with the people that own the company that know everyone. Yeah. And that's kind of one thing that we've built is we work directly with our clients. They have my cell phone number and they call me round the clock and they have direct access to me, which is a good thing because if you get stuck with like a junior publicist, they're not going to have the contacts to really get you where you want to go. Yeah. Now, since you manage the public image of such high profile artists, tell me about your day to day. Well, every day is totally different from the management side of things. It's fielding emails, signing contracts. I have control of their calendar. I'm kind of the central hub for everyone on the entire artist team from booking agents to attorneys to PR to marketing and everything in between the band, things like that. I'm the main source of information. And even the fans contact me if they have something they want the artist to do. So at your agency, do you guys have junior publicists or do you manage all the talent directly? 
when we were just doing PR, we had hired people on and off, but it's such a fluctuating business that we just couldn't really see the value in it. And I didn't want to grow to a point where I was gone all the time. Because if you manage A-list or do PR, at least for A-list celebrities and you have tons of them, you are constantly on the road. And I kind of wanted a good balance of work life. So I was on the road a lot before I had kids. Don't get me wrong. But we kind of decided to keep it small. We don't have any artists that are anything alike. And then just keep it to a few artists. And I've really scaled back lately to really honing in on my three artists that I'm working with. And that's it. Wow. So you're working with all these A-list celebrities What was it like to meet Jake Hoot? And the reason that I ask that is because a lot of people know Jake before he was obviously the Jake Hoot, Mm -hmm. right? So what was it like meeting him? And tell us about your journey together. Yeah. So um, I've known Philip Gibbons, who's like the voice of Cookville Radio, and he has been forever for a long time from just bringing artists from Nashville to his station. And when I was moving up here, I was representing Daly and Vincent, and I was backstage at the Grand Ole Opry with them. And Philip was interviewing them back there. And I told him, I'm moving to Cookville. And he said, oh, my gosh. Well, as soon as you get here, you know, I want you to come out with me and my wife. So they kind of took us under their wing. And they're our dear friends now, their entire family. But when Jake, after he had gone to the taped part of The Voice, and then they're back for a few months, Philip reached out to me and he said, Chelsea, I need you to meet with this guy. You know, I think you could really help him and just give him some advice on what to do. He's on The Voice or whatever. And I said, okay. So we went to Poets and had coffee. And Jake obviously is such a nice guy. But he just hadn't really fully dabbled in the music industry. He was still living in Cookville. And you kind of have to be in Nashville to really immerse yourself. So he didn't even have a website. He didn't have a Twitter account. And the branding wasn't cohesive and all the things. So I just kind of dove in because he went back to LA pretty quickly after that to start filming the live episodes. So I dove in, built his website, just really did everything on the housekeeping side of things for him. And then the fan interaction was insane while he was on the show. So we actually had Philip's daughter helping us field Facebook messages because he would get thousands. And we didn't want to miss anything. And we wanted to make sure we were responding to everyone. So she would try to she did her best to respond to everybody. And then just trying to get a grasp on the social media, because it's it's insane when you're on national TV twice a week. Yeah, the response you get from fans and then even requests from media, it all started pouring in. So I just kind of dove in head first. And I was the only person on his team. And it just got more and more intense as he made it further in the show. And then when he won, I flew out to L.A. and went to the Kelly Clarkson show with him and then some other press stuff. And then when we got back here, it was a whirlwind. Like, it's kind of even hard to remember because it was so crazy for a few months. And then we started planning Hoot at the Hoop, his welcome home show at the Hoop. And I worked really closely with Ricky Shelton on that. And he was amazing. But it was a ton of work to facilitate that in a few weeks because we didn't know if he was going to win. And then he won December 19th. And I think the Welcome Home show was like January 4th. Wow. So it was insane because we had to bring the stage. I got Lone Star to come and play it. And then we got Judah to come and play it. And it was packed. I mean, we got all the media there and 
it was crazy. We were looking out the window, me and Jake, and there were people wrapped around the building waiting to get into the hoop. And we were like, what, what is happening? You know? So it really had, it was a whirlwind. It happened so quickly. And then, you know, he made his great old Opry debut. And that's when I kind of took a step back and was like, I can't do this on my own. We need to expand our team. This is a lot. And I'm not doing Jake justice doing it on my own. So we met with a ton of different management companies and ultimately um, partnered with one. And it's funny because my partner with Jake is also Blake Shelton's production manager. So it all ties back into the voice. And then we got him a booking agent because I was doing all the booking myself. And when you come off a show like The Voice and you've won, you are getting requests for booking every single day. So yeah, I was very relieved when that got taken off my plate. I mean, there's no signs that you guys are slowing down at all, though, which I think is great, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's a tough struggle when you come off a show like The Voice because they turn out so many people. I mean, I think there's been like 21 seasons or something now. Can you name that many people that you know who have won? I sure can't. I feel like we've done a pretty good job at keeping Jake relevant. And, you know, from the Kelly Clarkson song that came out like a year after he had won. And then he's been riding with insanely talented hit songwriters and really just building his catalog music, which is the most important thing in the music industry is the song. We've got, you know, a ton of things to release. And yeah, we're just keeping it rolling. And I think some great things are going to be happening soon. So before we move on to your new venture, I'd like to ask, when you were growing up, Was there something that made you fall in love with music? Oh, yeah. When I was growing up, I wanted to be a singer. Okay. Oh, yeah. And I always loved music. I performed all the time around my small town and all the good things. And then you moved to Nashville and you're like, oh, wait, like everybody here is amazing. I don't want to do this anymore. I'm not good enough. So I quickly found out, no, I'd rather just work in the music industry. I always tell artists, don't pursue this if you can picture yourself doing anything else other than this, Mm -hmm. because you're not going to make it. It's too brutal. Yeah, It's too hard to make it. You're not going to make it. And I could picture myself doing a lot more things than that. So (laughs) I actually, though, funny side note, I went on a show. Do you guys remember the show The Singing Bee on CMT? No, It was like a karaoke show where you had to remember the lyrics. And Melissa Peterman was the host. Okay. So I went on that show in LA and I won. So you have to like, they'll play a song and then you have to fill in the blank and you compete with all these other contestants and people get knocked off if they miss a word. So anyway, fun side note, I won that game show. (laughs) Uh, But I mean, you won the award and you thought like, maybe this is it. This is the universe telling me that I should. uh... Well, no, because it's not about talent. Like nobody could sing. It's about (laughs) if you remember lyrics. Oh, great. You know? <laughs> so you have a, so what you're saying is is you have an excellent mind, obviously well above any other people that are in the music industry. And so you use that as your application to still do and be a part of what you love. Well, sure. I mean, I guess I also was a karaoke <laughs> host all throughout college, so that helps me remember lyrics. But yeah, I do have a background in music my whole life. So to dive in into your serial entrepreneurship, you are a publicist, mm-hmm. then you turned into a manager. Mm-hmm. Now you are an editor. Yeah. So what did you see in the Upper Cumberland that inspired you to start Cookville Lifestyle Magazine? Um, I just kind of was shocking to me that we didn't have a community magazine, like a regular community magazine. Every other town in Tennessee has one, even ones that are smaller than Cookville. And we're growing so much. 
that I just thought, why sure. not start yeah. this? So I reached out to a few people that I know and trust in in town to make sure that I wasn't going to step on anybody's toes. And they said, no, you know, we don't have a magazine. Obviously, we have the Herald Citizen, but that's hard news. And what I'm doing is not hard news. I mean, there will be very interesting and in-depth stories, but it's not hard news. So I dove in and I got the domain name and started the branding process and found printers and got quotes and all the things. What does launching a magazine entail? And it goes without saying that this is obviously a huge undertaking. So what did that process look like? Well, it is challenging for me because I do have a seven-month-old and a three-and-a-half-year-old, and I'm still working full-time in the music industry. Wow. But I've always been the kind of person that just dives into things, and then I figure it out as I go. And much to my husband's dismay, that's what I did. So basically, I knew that I couldn't do it very quickly because of all those things. So that's why I started working on it in December of 2021. And the first issue is not going to come out until September, October of 2022. So I gave myself plenty of time for the first issue because I knew it would take a lot longer for the first one than it would be for the second, third and fourth. So, you know, like I said, I got the domain. I got all the social media handles tax licenses. I got my branding kit done. I have an amazing graphic designer that I've worked with for years. And then I started envisioning like the themes and what the possibilities of those would be. And then I announced it, started locking in distributors because that's the number one thing you have to do to make people be able to find your magazine. I'm currently locking in advertisers and I have an amazing photographer that's going to shoot everyone for our premiere issue. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's kind of where I'm at right now. And then Obviously, writing all the articles, I've written several, but I've got a ton to go. Luckily, my background as a publicist helps a ton with that because I'm good at finding interesting angles on stories and writing is a huge part of being a publicist. What should readers expect out of your magazine? Readers should expect um, a publication that's lighthearted, yet highlights the people behind the scenes or maybe just people that are making monumental moves in the community or people that you haven't even heard of that have done amazing things, but they don't like to toot their own horn. We would like to expose that. Yeah. And we want it to be a place that highlights that quaint feeling about Cookville, the local scene. You know, I think our readers will connect with it. The readers that like local, that like to go to our local restaurants and support local business businesses and like to be a part of the community. Have you ever lived in a town like Cookville before? No, I grew up in a really small town, but it was nothing like Cookville. I feel like Cookville is kind of like Mayberry. Yeah. It's a great place to raise a family. I'll say that. And I've loved getting to know people. Everyone is amazing. It really is a community. I feel like people help you and they want to see you succeed. So yeah, I mean, so far, this journey with the magazine has been encouraging. Sure. You think in a lot of ways, it was like your inspiration for starting this magazine was the fact that you moved here and got to kind of engage with a lot of the local people here. And I'll tell you, there is a can-do attitude, especially for people that want to start businesses. It seems like anybody that you talk to is is always cheering you on and saying, that's a great idea, you know, go out and do it. I am curious, you know, you've had such a wide array of of experiences in public relations and artist management. How has that shaped you as an editor? Well, I've worked alongside journalists my entire career, and I've worked with so many publications on the PR side of things. So I've really gotten to know their work and how they operate. So I think that has just made it kind of a natural thing for me. I don't think if I had a background in PR especially, I would be able to do this. And then I'm very type A and organized. And I think this requires a ton of organization. 
being able to keep so many different moving parts in focus, I think is important. And that's kind of the management side of things is having a thousand, you know, balls in the air and trying to remember what connects to what and organize everything because that's basically my job as a manager is to make sure everything is executed. Obviously, you've been essentially all over the United States. Is there a specific type of brand that you're trying to emulate or is Cookville Lifestyles Magazine going to be nothing like in any other place? Sure. I mean, I think every creative work is derivative of previous creative works. So yes, I've definitely drawn inspiration from Nashville Lifestyles Mm -hmm. and things like that. But it's going to be a lot different because Nashville Lifestyles is a very bustling city. Sure. And and we're not. We're I mean, I think we're bustling, but in more of a small town way. Mm-hmm. And it's not like we have a thousand restaurants opening every day and things like that. We have a handful that are awesome. So it's going to be a lot easier to highlight those amazing parts of Cookville because we don't have so many. It's not so gentrified here. Right. So, I mean, there's a ton of people that are moving to Cookville I think we're in the top five counties in the state of Tennessee. Uh, we've had like a 17% growth in population year over year. How would your magazine appeal to not just the people that grew up in Cookville, but also the ones that are moving to Cookville? Yeah. So I'm not from Cookville. And I know when me and my husband moved here, it was a little difficult to get plugged in. And I think it's becoming even more difficult the more people that move here, even though once you do get plugged in, it is that very quaint community vibe. I feel like this might be a good thing for people to read and see the different events that are happening because we're going to highlight all of those things. The awesome restaurants, small businesses, see the great coffee shops you can go to, the local art, and then just great human interest pieces as well. And, And just kind of tap into our growing city and maybe it will be a place where people can really find out how to connect a little bit more. And it's a free magazine, right? Yes. So obviously it's going to rely on advertisers Mm -hmm. to remain free. Yes. What is the return on investment for advertisers? So I feel like we're, we're featuring a lot of awesome people that are very well connected in the magazine. So I know it's going to get in a ton of hands. And then we've locked in amazing distributors all over town, all of the staple Cookville spots that people come to and the people travel here to go to like Ralph's Donuts, Red Silo, the hospital. It's awesome to have them in doctor's offices because that's where you sit and you want something to do and you see a magazine, you'll open it and read it. We've got a ton of distributors locked in so people could get it there. And then we'll be doing a bunch of social media pushes for our advertisers. And then our top tier advertisers will get their logo on our step and repeat at our launch party. And we'll get, you know, an invite. It's going to be kind of exclusive. We're going to do every creative thing we can to give them incentive. Now, are you going to require that they actually advertise in your magazine for them to be profiled in your magazine? Or is that two completely different Two totally different things. I'm trying to keep it as true to real journalism as possible. And I've done a lot of research. Our premier issue is going to be Cookville's most influential people. And I took nominations on our website. And then I had people that grew up here that are influential in the town help me create a list of people to choose from. And then from there, I had a committee of people vote on the list. And then I did my due diligence and did research and dwindled it down to the top 15. So none of that had anything to do with who was placing ads, you know, with me. I just chose the people who I thought, even if they weren't somebody that anybody knows, were doing amazing monumental things in the community that needed to be highlighted. 
So no. And then as far as other features we're doing, we're going to do like a nature spotlight. Obviously, nature is not advertising with me. <laughs> and then we're going to do a charity spotlight. Those people, I don't want them to advertise with me. They need to raise money on their own in every yeah. issue. So I just really want to highlight every part of the great things that make Cookville Cookville. I am curious, is this a business? Is this a passion project? Is this giving back to the community? Is it all of those things? I definitely want it to turn into a business. I don't really, mm-hmm. to be quite frank, have the time in my life to just be doing something for fun. <laughs> right. But it is fun. You know, it is. it has been a, a really fun experience so far. But I, I definitely right now it is kind of a side project because I'm still fully in the music industry. But I've been able to juggle it so far pretty well. So I'm hoping after this first issue comes out, and I, I do have all this lead time with the first issue, after this one comes out and we kind of get a grip on how it does, I'm going to be able to hire some people to take a little bit of the load off. Um, I'm going to definitely be hiring freelance writers, which will be a huge relief, and then some photographers and ad people and all that good stuff. I think the question that is really on everybody's mind is, what is your mission? Okay, our mission is to tell, you know, the great stories of Cookvillians. And I just want to highlight what makes this town so special. Absolutely. So we always like to end the show on a high note. Who is someone that makes you better when you're together? As cliche as it sounds, I mean, I'm going to have to say my husband because we are total opposites. I am type A, but I also, like I said, dive into things head first and figure it out as I go. Whereas he questions absolutely everything. He's in finance, but he would be a great attorney because every single thing is, well, have you thought about this? Have you thought about this? I'm like, well, no, you know. (laughs) So I'm very glad that I have him there to help me with those types of things. And, you know, he challenges me where otherwise I'd probably just be a chicken with my head cut off, to be honest with you. But (laughs) yeah, we're definitely two totally different people. But I think that's a good thing because it challenges you when you have someone like that by your side. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Better Together with Costa Yepafonsiv. If you've enjoyed listening and you want to hear more, make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. Leave us a review or better yet, share this episode with a friend. Better Together with Costa Yepafonsiv is a Costa Yepafonsiv production. Today's episode was written and produced by Morgan Franklin. Post-production, mixing, and editing by Mike Franklin. Want to know more about Costa? Visit us at costayepafonsiv.com. We're better together.